0: I'm Fausto Salinas Jr. with FNT Farms and Cattle Company, Sullivan City, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State.
2: Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It is time for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me, buckle up. We're gonna take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, China is behind on their trade commitments, especially when you look at that phase one trade deal put together by the Trump administration. We'll check in with Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack as he addressed that question at this week's American Farm Bureau Convention in Atlanta. We'll have that story coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Carrie Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. For Texas High
3: Plains farmers who are planning to apply dicamba or 2,4-D herbicides this year, annual certification trainings are being offered by AgriLife. I'm James Hunt and we'll tell you about those upcoming opportunities on Texas Ag Today.
4: The president
5: of the American Farm Bureau Federation outlines the successes for 2021
2: and the agricultural priorities for 2022 at the national organization's annual convention. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today.
6: Well, it's winter cleanup time for landscapes in Texas. Please join me, John Begno, as we talk about cleaning our landscapes.
2: We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. China has dramatically increased their purchases of U.S. agricultural products over the last two years, but they're still coming up short on their obligations under the Phase 1 trade deal. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack told farmers at the American Farm Bureau Convention in Atlanta yesterday that they will keep the pressure on China to live up to the agreement. Our Chinese
6: friends are about $16 billion light over what they committed to purchase. And that's why Ambassador Tai, our U.S. Trade Representative, is going to China and continues to converse with China about the necessity of living up totally and completely to the phase one trade agreement. Uh, making up that $16 billion deficit over the course of the next several years, and also working on those sanitary and phytosanitary barriers that still exist in the Chinese relationship that they agreed to remove, whether it's ractopamine uh, in pork or whether it's hormones in beef or whether it's uh, ethanol uh, tariffs or, or the ability to uh, to purchase more DDGs.
2: Vilsack says the administration will continue to press China to keep their promises under the trade deal before they discuss any possibility of an extension. The National Wheat Foundation's Wheat Yield Contest is now open for entries.
7: Texas farmers who are seeing good quality and yield on their wheat this year might want to consider entering it into the National Wheat Foundation's Annual Yield Contest. The contest has two categories, winter wheat and spring wheat, and two subcategories, dryland and irrigated. But this year the foundation has added a new component, quality. The 24-yield winner's wheat will be tested for baking and milling qualities. If the wheat meets all the criteria for industry-desired quality, the farmer who grew it will receive a $500 cash award in addition to the trip to Commodity Classic. Details are available at yieldcontest.wheatfoundation.org. That is yieldcontest.wheatfoundation.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal.
2: COVID-19 has cost the cotton industry big bucks. Buddy Allen is president and CEO of the American Cotton Shippers Association. He spoke at the Beltwide Cotton Conferences in San Antonio last week. He told us that COVID-19 has cost cotton shippers over a billion dollars.
8: Well, $800 million, which does not consider uh, credit risk or defaults or or where where counterparties did not execute and there was price decline. When you take that into account, it would be well over a billion. And
2: that comes from a variety of factors.
8: Initially, we saw very acute erosion of demand for cotton. Uh, So storage, insurance, interest, those type of costs accrued. And then when the demand returned, the cost to move cotton to market was exponentially higher.
2: Buddy Allen, president and CEO of the American Cotton Shippers Association. Annual certification trainings are available for Texas High Plains farmers who are planning to apply dicamba or 2,4-D this year. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo.
3: Texas A&M AgriLife has announced five oxen-specific certification trainings that will be offered over the next few months. The trainings will take place at the AgriLife Research and Extension Center in Lubbock, as well as being offered online. Texas A&M AgriLife weed scientist, Pete Dotre says, participation in one of the sessions enables attendees to meet the annual federal and state training requirements for those who plan to apply the approved dicamba and 2,4-D herbicides on their crops. As for what information is provided in a training session, Dr. Dotre says,
6: It covers things like the importance of record keeping, various application requirements that are necessary Equipment that can be used, various nozzles, tank mix partners that have been approved, talks about the importance of understanding environmental conditions, wind speed, wind direction, awareness of temperature inversions, and the need to buffer the fields that we're spraying to try to protect off-target applications from affecting plants that might be downwind.
3: A training lasts one hour, and the five opportunities will be January 21st, February 14th, March 10th, April 8th, and May 13th, all with a start time of 9 a.m. Cost is $10, and for more information, including how to pre-register, contact the Extension Service. And speaking of Dr. Dotre, he's also giving a free online presentation this week on the topic of pre-plant decisions for managing resistant weeds. That's coming up Thursday at 10 a.m., Contact the Extension Service for details on that event, which is being offered via Zoom. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: The successes of 2021 and the priorities of 2022 were laid out this week at the American Farm Bureau Convention in Atlanta. Tom Nicoletti has more. At the 103rd Annual American Farm Bureau Federation Convention in Atlanta this week, AFBF President Zippy Duval addressed the media. TFB Network's Gary Joyner was in attendance at the news conference.
5: 2021 has been really very volatile, and we've had a lot of challenges this year in agriculture and around the supply chain. But we've also had some successes as we've moved along. We feel like we have uh, was real responsible for stopping harmful changes in the tax code that would have harmed the future ability for us to pass our family farms on. We've achieved... Uh, Voluntary incentive-based climate policy and programs through the Food and Agriculture Climate Alliance that this is a very historic alliance. But we have a, a lot of hard work cut out for us in 2022 and we achieving ag labor reform. It is the biggest limiting factor agriculture has standing in front of us. We have growing population across the world and we have not got any closer to working with our Congress or our president to solving this problem. And if we're even interested in national security, or if we are even interested in making sure we have a stable food supply for our country, we just better stop and take a look at what the serious problem is with labor around agriculture. I can't tell you with enough emphasis that this administration and this Congress has got to start paying attention to what's happened in our fields and in our barns, and the lack of people to help us do our job. That is American Farm Bureau Federation President Zippy Duval. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau
2: Radio Network. It's winter cleanup time for landscapes in Texas. San Angelo horticulturalist John Begno has some cleanup advice.
6: Well, we're spending time now in January cleaning landscapes, and whether you're raking leaves or you're doing pruning or In some cases, we're removing that top kill. We've had good freezes across most areas of Texas, all the way down into the middle section of Texas. And so what we are seeing is that it's that time that we do just about everything but scalp our lawns. One thing we're doing is getting the leaves that are in great abundance. And as it was pointed out by our friend Tom Nicoletti, that in Texas, leaves sometimes fall all winter. And you're cleaning them up not just one time, but multiple times if they're a light spattering of leaves, you can mow them. That's not an issue. But when they become really thick and deep, they can smother a turf grass and flower beds and so forth. So let's get them out. Let's recycle them if we can. We're also in the real big midst of pruning. It's prime time for pruning trees right now. This freeze has also damaged the tops of a lot of plants. Those Perennials that we love to grow in Texas that bloom in the summer, like Esperanza or Yellowbells, Lantana, Hardy Hibiscus, even Cannas. The tops are brown right now, and you can go ahead and cut them to right above the ground. Now, we really don't know if we're going to get another real cold spell like we did last February in 2021, but it might happen. And if it does, it's good to protect these plants by healing them in, either covering their bases with a little bit of soil or mulch, even better to protect those bud zones from really freezing under a real severe cold spell. Now, lawns right now, if you've looked at the drought map across Texas, it shows that We're getting more and more areas of less rain over the last 80 days or so, and the drought map is expanding. It's important that turf grass receive water, especially the summer grasses that we grow at least once a month, about an inch of water, but also trees. It doesn't matter if it's a native live oak or a pecan tree. We can get drought damage during the winter, even though they don't show signs of growing They could be damaged. So remember to water these plants, periodically at least one inch once a month. John Begner reporting from San Angelo.
7: Researchers are working on a new way to help control the feral hog population. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today.
2: And there are a lot of horses with equine metabolic syndrome. Texas veterinarian, Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
1: keeping you informed on everything happening in texas agriculture
2: on texas ag today there are lots of horses with equine metabolic syndrome dr bob judd says it's a real problem to get enough calories into these horses without causing other problems
0: and we normally expect insulin resistant horses with metabolic syndrome to be overweight however some of these horses are underweight and getting them back to normal weight while avoiding laminitis and founder is difficult just because the horse is thin does not mean the horse could not be insulin resistant and feeding high calories to cause weight gain could increase insulin and cause laminitis to occur dr caroline argo from scotland indicated that it is important to look at the history of the animal and determine the cause of the weight loss the weight loss could be due to dental disease parasites less than adequate nutrition, arthritis, or other disease. To be successful in treating these cases, the cause of the weight loss must be found and corrected if possible. Dr. Orgo goes on to say in the horse publication, the horses that lose weight are in a negative energy balance and are very sensitive to the impact of carbohydrates on insulin release, and this is very dangerous. The goal is to restore the weight without increasing the insulin that can cause laminitis. Some of these animals can develop a condition called refeeding syndrome, which is very severe. So, you have to start feeding these horses slowly, starting with forage alone. The forage needs to be lower quality with a low percent of non structural carbohydrates at less than 10%. You can add a ration balancer, but be careful, as some of these have large amounts of carbohydrates. And although allowing pasture grazing is good for exercise, pasture grass may be high in carbohydrates and could be dangerous. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Researchers are
2: working on a new way to help control the wild hog problem here in Texas. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report.
7: Feral hogs, wild pigs, feral swine, no matter what you call them, they can be a nuisance to people in cities and in rural areas alike, rooting up lawns and crops, impacting water quality, destroying fencing, and colliding with vehicles. John Kilgo from the U.S. Forest Service says wild pigs can also negatively impact wildlife.
6: Their ecological influences range from mainly competition with other large animals that eat the same kinds of food to actually preying upon small animals, ground-nesting birds, for example.
7: Wild pigs can impact young livestock, white-tailed deer fawns, ground-nesting birds, and reptiles and amphibians. They are considered one of the top 100 worst exotic invasive species in the world, and their population is exploding. So how do we control them? Well, some landowners hunt them and some trap them. But Kilgo says those traps don't always work. He says that is why researchers at the Forest Service are working hard to develop a new trapping system that may help landowners in the fight against the millions of wild pigs in Texas
6: with the advent of cellular-enabled cameras. We now have the capability to put a camera on a trap that will send images of what's in the trap, which pigs are in the trap, and then can in turn receive commands from the trapper to close the gate when the trapper is ready. If you know the composition of the sounder you're trying to trap, which you determine through pre trapping trail camera work to see how many are in the group, what they look like, the size and age composition, you can wait for all of the pigs to get in the trap before you close the trap.
7: That is John Kilgo from the u.s forest service or the texas farm bureau radio network i'm jessica domal
2: it was a positive day in the agricultural markets on tuesday we were hiring cattle cotton and grains we'll take a look at all of tuesday's market action coming up next keep it right here on texas ag
9: today As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org slash stress to learn more.
2: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag today. Tuesday was a good day in the agricultural markets. We finished higher in cattle, cotton and grains. We'll start with the cattle market as we always do. February live cattle up $1.42 to close at 137.67, the April up 62 cents at 141.20, June live cattle up 62 at 136.85. Same story in feeder cattle. January feeders up a dollar fifteen, one sixty two zero seven, March feeders up a dollar one sixty six thirty-five, April up sixty-seven cents at one seventy twelve. Cash fed kettle trade saw some early trade this week. We saw some light sales here in the south at 137. That's steady with what we saw in Kansas last week, but a buck lower than what we had here in Texas. Again, that's light trade. A few scattered bids up north at 127, but no sales to report up there. Asking prices here in the south from the feedlots ranging from 138 to 140. Boxed beef was higher Monday choice, up $1.76 at seventy-six dollars 80 Select, up one96 dollar dollars 46 Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble.
4: They had plenty of cattle in the alleyway Saturday at Lexington Livestock, and we got them all sold. Let's see just how many sold. Russell Heller, how was that Saturday sale in Lexington?
8: Castor yes, had a good sale, 845 total head with 117 cows.
4: 845. Let's walk the pens. The
8: thinner packer cows were 20 to 44, and the better cows 45 to 76. On the steering bull three to four pounds, 115 to 205. Four to five weights, 110 to two dollars. Five to six weights, a dollar five to 175. Six to seven weights, a dollar to 163. 7 to 8 weights, 95 to 156. On the heifers, 3 to four pound heifers, 110 to 185. 4 to 5 weights, 105 to 170. 5 to 6 weights, a $1 dollar to 155. 6 to 7 weights, 95 to 145. 7 to 8 weights, 90 to 138.
4: Have you looked to see how this compared to last year?
8: Yes, it was about the same.
4: What was the condition of the cattle?
8: Uh, we had two or three sets of wean calves. They were kind of medium flesh, and the rest of the cattle are getting a little bit thinner.
4: What do you know of for this next Saturday sale?
8: I know one man's going to have 25 calves, and that's all that I know of so far.
4: All right. Are the buyers finding enough cattle in the country to get their orders met?
8: Yes, sir. Everybody's wanting to buy a few still, so they're they're wanting some cattle.
4: Tell everybody how to get a hold of you for next Saturday's sale, Russell.
8: Sure, you can get me on my sale, and that number is 979-820-7002. We appreciate it, and we'll talk with you before that sale. Sounds good. Thank you, Larry.
4: And thank you, Russell Heller. He sells them every Saturday at Lexington Livestock Commission Company. I'm Larry Marble. I do Walk in the Pins every Monday through Friday right here from my kitchen table on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. See you back tomorrow.
2: Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market. About the only lower market we saw on Tuesday was the hog market. February lean hogs down 52 cents, 77.85. April hogs down 50 cents at 84.20. Class three milk was higher. January milk up 11.00. 20 38 100 weight while february milk was up 40 cents 21 95 100 the cotton market closed higher traders again positioning ahead of wednesday's usda supply and demand report we closed with march cotton up 80 points one sixteen oh two. the october up 63 at a dollar point 96 cents while December was up 35 points, 95.27 cents a pound. Same story in the corn market. Not a lot of action going on ahead of the USDA report coming up this week. March corn up one and a quarter, 6.01 a bushel. New crop September corn up one and a half, at 570 and three quarters. It was a different story in the wheat market, however. Seems like this wheat market is a bit oversold, so we're seeing a market correction this week as prices move back toward $8. July Kansas City wheat up 11 cents Tuesday, closing at 789 a bushel. July Chicago wheat up 9, 769 and a quarter. In the energy markets, February natural gas up 16 cents at 424. February crude oil up 318, 8141 a barrel. The financial markets higher Tuesday afternoon. The Dow up 161 points, 36,230. The Nasdaq up 192 at 15,134. The S&P up 38 points, 4,708. That wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin, hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas
1: Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information,